We're supposed to be going live on uh, Facebook. There we go. And we're going to start the live video. And we'll be all started up. We're all tatted up, started up. Tatted up, started up. And here we are. And there's uh, really not much more to say, ladies and gentlemen, except here we are. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate more to say Happy Memorial Day. If you say uh, Happy Memorial Day, you know the reason. Someone goes, do you know the reason for Memorial Day? And you know what? I do know the reason for Memorial Day. You're darn right I do. And uh, someone saying, do you know the reason? Does not then jog me into some hyper-consciousness. Uh, it is a day when we, uh, it's a solemn day. So a day when traditionally we're off work. It's an extended weekend and an extended holiday. And hardworking Americans everywhere and enjoy themselves to relax and enjoy themselves. Many of us, after visiting uh, 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 certain cemeteries, are taking a a moment of silence to remember those who we love, who um, uh, uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. All that being said, happy Memorial Day. Uh, I hope you're trying to find a way to have a good time today. It's hard to have a good time in America today, but we're going to give it a whirl. You are watching Living on a Thin Line. From all the anxiety, craziness, from all the anxiety, craziness, uh, frightening crap and hoopla going on outside your walls. Uh, things seem to be settling down. I don't know if they're getting, finding ways, we're just getting used to it and finding ways to work with it. Uh, knowing America the way I do and the way you do too, we find ways to adapt and not only survive, but thrive. And I got a feeling that's what's kind of going on right now. We're still being careful. We're still being distant. We're still uh, hyper aware but we're still finding ways to do something fulfilling or something totally innocuous and inane that is uh, senseless and useless but makes us feel good inside uh, some sort of cotton candy activity. This may be one of them. This may be one, watching Living on a Thin Line. It's going to be a short show today. It's going to be a short show today because I got things to do, and i tell you why I got things to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we are celebrating in the Visic household. Indeed, we are. We are celebrating in the Visic household because today, ladies and gentlemen, is my lovely, uh, the producer of the show, who just happens to be my wife, Shirley Lowe Vizic. It is her birthday. Let's all say happy birthday. I, I'm going to be able to hear you, even though I can't hear you. I'll be able to hear you psychically. Happy birthday, Shirley. Yay. It is her birthday, my lovely bride, my wonderful wife. Uh, the reason I get to do half the things that I'm able to do, because um, I did not know when I married her that she was a technical whiz, and where I am a stumble bum when it comes uh, anything more technically uh, complicated than a Dixie cup and a string. She knows how to put all this together, and she has. Um, we are coming to you on Comedy Schools, RadioNetwork.com, on YouTube, on the Comedy Schools channel, of course, here on Facebook Live. Uh, hello to Mickey Bush, David Van Winkle, Randy Ioma, uh, Tina and Mike Lawson. Who else have I got going on here? Charles Kaminsky. All of you that are tuning in, hello. I hope you have a wonderful day. Like I said, short show today. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I did not do the show yesterday. I did not. And uh, I totally diffed doing the show. I was going to do the show from the car. Shirley and I were in the vehicle. Every once in a while, you're going to get in your vehicles and just drive them around the block. We did a little more than that, but uh, we had something we had to do right at that time on Sunday. And I said, I'll do the show from the car. And then we turned on Dwight Yoakam Radio. And I started listening to Dwight. And Shirley and I started talking. And I totally dipped the show. And I am sorry. So that means since the whole crisis started, I've only missed one show. 
So I'm now going to pitch a one-hitter. If you hold, heard my Oral Hershiser story earlier in the week, we build this show around three things, ladies and gentlemen. Three, let's count them three. We're on three different media. We're on our own internet radio station, YouTube and Facebook Live. And we have three things we built the show around. Interaction with you as you post questions and comments here on Facebook Live or on the other two forms of media. And uh, some little silly knickknack I have here around the house. Memento, autograph, something that at one time meant something to me that I've totally forgotten about. And now I am reacquainting myself and reminding myself of all the wonderful things that I have had and still do have in my life. And also, I recommend two musical artists or two albums or two songs based on my vast vinyl album collection. So uh, the first thing I'm going to show you is this. We're just going to do this. Uh, are you guys going to barbecue today? I think I'm going to do a little barbecue. And, you know, we keep buying meat all the time because here's going to be a meat shortage. Um, there's no meat shortage in my freezer. You know, I got, I got more meat than I've ever had in my entire life. I got more meat than I want to eat. That's, what was that? Yeah, there was a sarcastic comment. Made. All right. Here, I'm going to show you two things. Okay. I'm going to show you this. And I'm going to show you this. Okay. So what are these? What are these? Now, when you get into a little arcane history, we get little things that people buy that later on, they just toss by the wayside. I don't know. These things might be worth a million bucks but they're probably not. I'm going to tell you what they are. They look kind of cool. They're still in the wrappers. That one has McDonald's. This one says Super Kings. I'm going to tell you what these are. These are commemorative pins commemorating the beginning of interleague play in Major League Baseball. Today, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of us would have the television on and we would have on either an NBA game or a baseball game. Uh... I've told all you guys that I uh, collect uh, old-time radios, and I have dozens of old-time radios. I might uh, shortly and show them, uh, shortly and show them those to you because they're kind of cool. And it all started years ago when I wanted to hear a radio station on an old-time radio, like I used to hear them uh, on a radio, uh, like I did when I was a little kid living in the inner city of St. Louis. When I was a little kid living in the inner city of North St. Louis, I could leave my house and walk up to the local park four blocks away on a summer day. And track an entire St. Louis baseball Cardinals baseball game off the radios that were sitting in people's windows or the sound coming through the screens in their windows or screen doors as you heard the game on in almost every house in the city. And I wanted to kind of uh, recapture that moment, so I bought an old-time radio. And, of course, living way out here, I bought it when I was living in Chatsworth, California, high up in the hills over Los Angeles, beautiful area, way up in the hills. Uh, we were the last building in the hills after that. Ah, wilderness. Uh, the issue being that no, uh, uh, no radio stations came in up there. And then I moved out here to Maricopa, where once again I had a hard time getting AM stations. But I kept collecting the radios. So we would be watching baseball today or listening to it. These two pins, kind of cool. This one. And this one. And I don't remember where I got them. Okay. But they, I'm glad I have them there. And they're still wrapped up. I can't take them out. But they're little metal commemorative pins. They commemorate interleague baseball play. And this one, the McDonald's one, commemorates. There were two interleague, three interleague games for the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals uh, that year. June 13th, the Cleveland Indians versus the Cardinals. June 20th, the uh, Twins versus the Cardinals. And September 1st, the White Sox versus the Cardinals. I think these were all home games. 
And uh, this one commemorates the Twins and the Cardinals on June 30th, 1997, 27, 217, 23, almost, uh, almost 23 years ago. The, uh, that game was played. This is the pin that someone bought because that would be cool to have. Somehow it ended up in my collection. This one. Hold on. Let me, get it, let me get it straight here. This one commemorates. It's the first time that interleague play has been incorporated in the regular season schedule. The Rockies will be taking on the Rangers, Angels, Mariners, and Athletics. This one commemorates. Who is it? Doesn't say. Hold on. Let me take a look. Uh, American National League. This one just commemorates all of them. All of them. And here was what the schedule was. May 5th, 1997. Uh, it was a Jackie Robinson pin. Uh, June 17th, 1997. You just got these pins when you went there. Uh, interleague play. That's, uh, that's the pin you got. This pin was purchased June 17th, 1997. Both of those commemorate a little bit of Americana, a little bit of history. When the National League and the American League decided to start having interleague play. Before that, for decades upon decades, uh, for decades upon decades, there were eight teams in the National League and eight teams in the American League. And the eight teams in the National League played, and whoever was number one at the end of the season then played whoever was number one in the American League, and that was it. No playoffs, no divisions, no nothing. And there was no interleague play. National League teams played National League teams. American League teams played American League teams. Over the years, they decided to bring in interleague play, divisions, uh, playoffs, and extended out the season. And you know what? Uh, old timers, like my great grandpa, they didn't like it. They thought you were messing with something pure, something pure, something that had been around in its form since the beginning of the 20th century. But we all embraced it because it sometimes meant that a team that uh, had no chance of uh, going on to the World Series now had a chance. We've seen that time and time again. And it made the uh, season a little more fun and a little more exciting. It gave us what we have in the NBA, basically two seasons, regular season and postseason. So, uh, but guys like my great-grandpa Hank, who's one of the men that I would commemorate on a day like this, he fought in World War I. The story is he fought in World War I. When World War II broke out, he immediately went down to the recruiting station the next day, December 8th, and they told him he was too old and he beat up the recruiter. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but if you ever met him, you go, that makes sense. But I'll tell you a baseball story. My grandpa Hank was the kind of man, and it was all together within the realm of very real possibilities that on Memorial Day in 1963 or 64 or 65 or 66 or 67 or any of the 60s or even the 50s that I saw that giant of a man who held our family together on Memorial Day, that we were at his house, his house out in House Springs, or his house before he moved out there on Maiden Lane in North St. Louis. A big, tough, rough, gruff man with a heart of gold. Later on, in the late 70s, I'd already moved to Los Angeles. But I'd come back to visit my parents. And my great-grandmother, Nani, was gone, and my grandpa Hank was now alone in his house in House Springs, Missouri. And my parents had a house up the hill from his house. It had been his property. He'd given them property to build the house on. And that's the house that I uh, lived in from the time I was 10 till I was 17. I was living in Los Angeles, back to visit, and I told my mom and dad, I think I'm going to go downstairs, go down the hill and watch a baseball game with my grandpa. He was my great-grandpa, but he was my grandpa. And I went down there with this 
big, rough, gruff man who now was not as tall, nor as rough, nor as gruff, but still had the heart of gold. With that pushed around nose from being a Golden Gloves boxer and still had that shock of white hair and that sideways mouth and that gruff voice. And I sat down with him to watch a baseball game. He was in his 80s by now. I said, who's playing, Gramps? He went, ugh, somebody in Brooklyn. And I thought, oh, my goodness. This man who held the family together through the Depression, this man who raised my grandmother, my dad's mom, even though it was not his child, that, that man uh, was a ne'er-do-well and had disappeared. My grandpa showed up, married my grandma, and raised my, uh, married my great-grandma and raised my grandma Edna as if she were his own. This man who held the family together during the Depression, during World War II, who had given land to members of the family so they'd have homes to, uh, land to build homes on. I thought, he's finally starting to slip. And I sat there, I was 22 or 23, and I went, uh, Gramps, um, I, I, I think it's not Brooklyn anymore, I think it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he looked at me, and for one moment, there was that fire in his eyes that you see in the 50s and 60s when he was pissed off. And he looked right at me, and he went, It'll always be Brooklyn to me. So he was one of those guys. There were guys who stopped watching baseball. You think, oh, I'm not going to watch football because some guy kneeled. or I'm not going to watch basketball because they're thugs. And uh, There were guys who, when the Brooklyn Dodgers moved to Los Angeles, stopped watching baseball because they thought something pure had been messed with. By the way, up until uh, the Dodgers uh, moved to uh, Los Angeles, the St. Louis Cardinals were the team for the entire Western United States because they could pick up the radio station when the Cardinals broadcast at night. Anyway, two pins commemorating or ruining baseball, the beginning of interleague play, 1997. I got that for you. A little story about my grandpa, too. I know I'll see you again on the great by and by, sir. All right, real quick, real quick. What, what time do I have, Cheryl? What time? 212. All right. I just got a few minutes today. We're going short. We're going short. All right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, uh, these are really offbeat recommendations. You're going to go, what the hell? Is he off his rocker? I'm going to recommend this guy, the Velvet Frog. Mel Torme. Mel Torme. Okay. You want to listen to Mel Torme. Wonderful voice, beautiful voice, especially if you're now entering into an age in your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s. When and not everything has to be loud and fast and hard. On this album, Mel Torme's Prelude to a Kiss. And you can see it's a little Mel and a big girl. Something freaky going on in that picture right there. That looks like shit you see on the internet. <laughs> Arranged and conducted by Marty Page. Uh, that was important then. Uh, something to live for. I getting sentimental over you. I don't stand a ghost of a chance with you. I can't believe you're in love with me. Prelude to a Kiss. I've got the world on a string. Uh, between the devil and the deep blue sea, I surrender, dear. I, I let a song out of my heart. Don't worry about me. One morning in May, I can't give you anything but love. Now, a lot of these were what were considered American standards. So throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s, there was a limited number of very good songwriters, and every singer sang those songs and then did their interpretation of them. Mel Torme, known as the Velvet Frog, had a unique interpretation. If you listen to his version of I Got a World on a String as opposed to Sinatra's. And his version of I can get, Can't Give You Anything But Love as opposed to the more classic version. So, you know why I'm recommending this kind of stuff? Because if we had gone back a long time ago 
and said, okay, I'm going to really dig into this music pre my era, uh, the country wouldn't be so fucked up. Because I'm going to tell you what messed up this country. Sometime in the 80s, all right, everybody my age got sick of FM radio. There were two things in FM radio, songs you already heard and songs you didn't like. That was it. Classic rock where all I played was, all right, I already know that song. I got that song. I know that song. I got that song. Are songs by new artists that you just weren't digging. So you started looking for something else to listen to on the radio when you were stuck in traffic. And you, like me, switched over to AM and you found Rush Limbaugh and Michael Medved and Dennis Prager and yada yada and Yodi Ho and later on Sean Hammett up. And then we spent hours in the car, oftentimes disliking these guys, but they became, we listened to them more than we listened to any human being we actually came in contact with. And after a while, their little ideas seeped into some of our skulls. And after a while, their ideas gave people who did not have the ability to form ideas the idea that they had ideas. And they would argue and they would fight and then they voted for idiots. If we would have just said, all right, I'm going to listen to jazz. I'm going to listen to rap. I'm going to try new music. I'm going to dig back into easy listening. I'm going to dig back into Delta Blues. Instead of just switching from classic rock, or hey, it's K-Rock, and we got uh, some of the wildest music by people with purple hair. If we had just done that, instead of listening to these clowns, the world would be a different place. So don't listen to them. Don't watch that crap. Listen to what I'm asking you to listen to. It'll fill your soul with wonderful things. Now, this next group, a little more up our alley, if you're me, my generation where I came from, though not totally, and it is... The Kingston Trio. And you know how old is that? Look at this album. It's falling apart on me. But I've got it. The Kingston Trio. Very popular folk trio. Very popular folk trio. Okay? All right? Uh, they were part of the giant burgeoning folk, mu uh, uh, folk movement in the 50s and 60s. And on this album is, and all folk musicians of that era sang other people's songs. All right? They sang Three Jolly Coachmen, Bay of Mexico, Banua, and their big hit was Tom Dooley. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. So uh, it was an old folk tune. Uh, Fast Freight, Hard It Ain't Hard, Sarah Jane, Santa Ono, Scotch and Soda, Coppola's Little Maggie, and they did a version of a song that if you are of the classic rock generation that you know and love, Sloop John B. You know it from the Beach Boys. But it is a Caribbean folk tune. And they did it. Now, the Kingston Trio, of course, their biggest hit was The Man Who Never Returned by a guy who got on a subway in Boston. So, uh, but if you go back and listen, great harmonies, great songs. The Kingston Trio kind of shouldn't have existed. The reason the Kingston Trio and the new Christy Minstrels and some of these other folk groups who you might vaguely remember came about is because during the communist witch hunts, people like Pete Seeger and Burl Ives and all these guys were kicked off the radio. No one played their records. They couldn't get a show. And the producers put together some of these other groups, the Kingston Trio being one. But it wasn't their fault. It wasn't the three guys' fault. They were young guys who wanted to play. But go back and listen to Kingston Trio. Listen to the man who never returned. And listen to Tom Dooley and go, wow, what harmonies, what great tunes. And not only is the Kingston Trio old, but the music they played was older. And it harkens back to the root of what we are and who we are. So today, go back on YouTube and listen to Kingston Trio for just a moment. And 
if enough people do that, we'll get back to the root of who we were and who we're supposed to be. All right, I didn't mean to get preachy, but I guess I did. Hey, uh, a couple things coming up, ladies and gentlemen. If you missed last night's uh, Tony Visick Presents, you missed a wing ding of a show. Great show. Uh, Shale Brenner, Fred Scott, uh, Kabari Edie, and our headliner, Mary Upchurch. This girl is going places. She is just dropped dead funny. Uh, we're going to have another one this Sunday. You want to buy a ticket, you want to watch. I'm putting on good shows on Zoom for you. Pay-per-view events on Zoom for you. We'll be announcing uh, this coming Sunday show, either late tonight or early tomorrow. Watch my Facebook page and Instagram for that. Uh, also, if you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, ladies and gentlemen, I got a new advanced workshop starting Wednesday. If you've done a workshop with me before, you're a professional comic, and you go, damn it, I need to be doing something more creative, and I really need to sharpen my skills. Uh, write me here on Facebook, Tony Visick, or write me at ComedySchools.Hotmail.com, or go to my website, ComedySchools.com, Contact me and we'll get you enrolled. If you're brand new and you want to do something without judgment, without fear, okay, and with a lot of favor, then uh, you want to join our Thursday night class. Once again, go to ComedySchools.com or contact me and uh, I'll get you involved and you'll have fun. You will have a good time. All right, that's our show for today, ladies and gentlemen. You have the, the rest of your Memorial Day. I hope that it is wonderful, safe, fun, and fulfilling. Once again, happy birthday to my lovely wife, Shirley Lovisic. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.